In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The portion of God's Word which we read and consider this morning, the Holy Spirit caused St. Luke to record for our learning in the 8th chapter of his Gospel. Let us pray. These are your words, Holy Father. Sanctify us by the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. About six years before his death, Martin Luther's wife, Katie, remarked to him, If it were in my hands, I would really take vengeance on my adversaries. Why does God spare them so? Luther responded, If God were to do everything with his might, where would that leave his wisdom and his goodness? Accordingly, he overlooks many things so that his wisdom and goodness may become known in our weakness. It will turn out well. Luther Luther shows something very important here. You can't have God's strength without his goodness and wisdom. And such strength is, as Christ said to St. Paul, made perfect in weakness. It is only when we are weak in ourselves that God grants us wisdom to know his true strength. But when we cannot acknowledge our own weakness, then God's word is what seems weak to us. Jesus illustrates this in a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed. The sower is Christ, and the seed is his word. The word is God's power. You can't know God's power apart from his word. St. Paul calls it the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. When we are not made weak, then we despise God's power, and we don't count it as much of anything at all. Like the seed that falls along the path, the word seems to be rejected right away, trampled underfoot, and gobbled up by those who hate it. God's word doesn't seem very strong to these people. They twist and turn it in whatever way they want, as if they have control over it. They say that the Bible is just written by men, that it is based on fables and myths, Or they say that all that matters is how you feel God's word is speaking to you. How does it confront you in your daily life? That's what they say. But in the meantime, they teach people to disregard what God's word says about all the things that they don't like. Forget about what what God says about the distinction between men and women. Forget what God's word says about murder. Forget what God's word says about Jesus being the only way to heaven, about him rising from the dead. Forget what the Bible says about sexual immorality. Forget what Christ says about his body and blood, which he gives for you to eat and to drink. The world tramples the word underfoot, and what gets trampled on more than anything is your baptism. And yet, sadly, it is not only the godless scoffers who put down this precious sacrament. No, many of them are some of the most religious and conservative people you will ever come across. 
And they say that Christ's gift of baptism is just a symbol. It's just a dedication his parents are making to God. Or they will even say that he shouldn't be baptized right now since he's too small. What they see is too weak. He isn't powerful enough. What the little child needs instead is a conversion experience when he gets older. A strong moment when he dedicates his life to Jesus. Then he'll be saved, they say. These people reject Christ's teaching that baptism saves us not because they are terrible secularists who promote every sick perversion of the flesh. No, it is simply because they cannot believe God's word if it seems too weak. Water is poured on the child's head and God's word is spoken along with the washing. Jesus describes it as him being born from above by water and the spirit. St. Peter says that it saves him through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. St. Paul says that he is united to Christ's very death and resurrection. But our human sentiments find it weak. Hypocrites, after all, get their kids baptized all the time, just because their grandparents want them to. But they have no intention to teach their children the faith. The grandparents often justify it in their own minds, imagining that they can still be saved if they refuse to gather around God's word. And so it is trampled underfoot as people are fooled by the devil into thinking that they are stronger than they actually are. Then, like the seed that falls on the rocks, many people believe for a while, but they don't have any root. They are excited about being Christians at first. It gives them a sense of purpose and belonging. But they do not continue to dwell in God's word. It then loses its excitement. So when the world comes to lure them back into its own grips, whether through drunkenness, filthy talk, or sexual immorality, they can't endure. Or when they hear their atheist professor tell them that life came about by random chance, that Jesus didn't really exist, or that Christianity is only a conspiracy of sexist pigs who want to take away everyone's rights. Then they fall right into the big, ugly ditch between their faith and their newfound reason. The word loses its relevance more and more as they replace it with seemingly more uplifting and satisfying things. Again, the word is too weak for them. Then, like the seed that falls among the thorns, many people are choked by the cares and pleasures of this world. These people don't have any vendetta, at least conscious vendetta, against God's word. They don't become angry atheists who bash Christians every chance they get. They don't join a cult or some other sect which rejects what God's word clearly teaches. No, they just forget about God's word. Other things take priority. Their jobs, their sporting events, their camping trips, or their need to sleep in Keep them from coming to church to hear God's word and receive his sacrament. But don't think that you are immune to this just because you make it 
just because you make it a habit to come to church on a regular basis. Because some of them still come to church, but their hearts and minds are occupied by something else. Maybe the cares of the church budget overwhelm them, and they become obsessed with money. Maybe it's enmity with another fellow Christian that occupies their heart and conscience. Or the pleasures of life overwhelm them, and they become greedy, neglecting to support the preaching of the gospel. When our hearts and minds become ruled by something other than God's word, it is because we do not count ourselves as weak and helpless. Instead, we count God's word as weak and unimportant. Of the four places the sower sows his seed, three out of the four either don't ever believe or they fall away. And so is God's word not powerful? Well, in fact, even the fact that people reject it demonstrates that God's word is true and strong. As as St. Paul says, the unrighteousness of man demonstrates the righteousness of God. When people refuse to believe God's word, they are being condemned by that very word that they reject. As God spoke through the prophet Isaiah, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. God's word still proves true. This is why Jesus speaks in parables, so that his word might hold in contempt those who are wise and strong in their own eyes, so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. His parable is his own sowing of the seed of his word, so that only those who are fools and weak in this age will truly see and understand what he is saying. So how are you to approach God's word? Approach it with repentance. All of the mighty works God has done bear witness to the power of his word. His confusion of the arrogant tongues at Babel, his destruction of the perverted cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, his drowning of the hard-hearted Pharaoh and his army, his destruction of Jerusalem twice. This is why we cannot recognize the power of God's word unless we tremble before it with repentance over our lazy, arrogant, and disrespectful desires. But when God's word shows you your weakness, then it shows you God's strength in the weakness of his son who suffered for your sins. This is the word of the cross, which St. Paul says is the power of God to those who are being saved. Yes, it is foolishness to the enlightened ones of this age, but as God said through Isaiah, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. So it may seem most reasonable to doubt whether Christ has really taken away your sins. It may seem wise to conclude that God cannot be a man or that death, can, or that, or that death could possibly be defeated. But such wisdom and reason has been destroyed by the cross of Christ 
who revealed his weakness, who revealed in his weakness God Almighty, who is strong to save. Jesus says that those who receive the word of the who receive the word on the good ground are those who hear with a noble and good heart. This is not a natural heart. This is a true heart. A heart that does not deny its own corruption. The psalmist calls this a spirit in which there is no deceit. By showing us our own weakness, God makes us honest. And this allows us to bear whatever weight he places upon us. Jesus says that they bear fruit with patience. The fruit of our faith is never without suffering what God would have us suffer. In the weakness of our mortal bodies, God continues to renew our inner man day by day in Christ. Whether we are suffering against the world, against the temptations of the devil, or against the battle of our own sinful flesh, the fruit of the Spirit comes through this plowing of our Father. This is why you don't need to be afraid of people rejecting the Word. Because the world rejecting the Word only proves the Word to be true. This is because all men are liars. So when they lie about the word, when they tell you that you can't rely on the death of Christ by which he took away your sins and the resurrection of Christ by which he fulfilled the scriptures, when they say you can't rely simply on the word of God but you need to spice it up with your own gimmicks and tactics, when they call your baptism simple water, when they, are, when, when they are only demonst- when, when they intimidate you not to address certain things lest people get offended, then they are only demonstrating how true and reliable and strong the Word of God is. Because as Paul says, God is true and all men are liars. And in repentance, we include ourselves in this so that we may find our only truth in God. And for this reason, don't be afraid of the world. Instead, fear the word of God. Don't tremble before those who deny and ignore God's word. Tremble instead before the word. As the psalmist sings, kiss the son lest he be angry, and you perish in the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. But he continues, blessed is everyone who trusts in him. So even while you tremble before the word, trust it, hold fast to it, and find in it your eternal hope. God promises to bring about what he has purposed. Even when your conscience testifies against you with the help of God's law, the purpose of God's word is found in the resurrection of Christ. So don't be afraid to hear this word, to believe this word, to confess this word. No matter how the no matter how the vast majority of the world rejects it. Though God's word seems weak to our outward nature, 
Though we continue to struggle against our own sinful passions, his word still does its work. And as surely as God declares us righteous by his word, so does he bear with us in patience. He promises to produce fruit in us despite our weaknesses. And just as the word is confirmed by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, he promises us the fruit of everlasting life, where we will never stop praising him. So let us pray. Though trampled, under, though trampled underfoot by most, and many waste away and choke, God's word is that in which we boast. And he who bears his Savior's yoke is granted rest from all his sin. So though the devil claims to win the hearts of those who fall away, the word will never lead astray. So hear us, Jesus, as we cry in weakness o'er our sinful hearts, Grant that to every sin we die. Lord, with your word, quench Satan's darts. As by the washing of my bath, you joined me to your precious death. Preserve my faith to claim such power beneath the dust of death's dark hour. Amen. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep and guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.